There's a famous teaching of the Baal Shem Tov. From every human being, there rises a light that comes straight to the heavens. And when people come together, the beam is grown brighter, wider, shining more light around them. It's in many ways actually reflected in the beauty of our Havdalah candle. For each wick that you add, the light grows. It doesn't reduce oxygen from the next candle flame. No, the closer and tighter that the wicks are woven, the brighter, the larger the fire that shines. So today, I am here to tell you, shine your light. There's a real effect of being in community and the power that we have to nurture and grow the light for others. And it's not just an effect we can have on others. For the record, we can. It's also an effect that others can have on us. You see, we are creating a balance of need. We have to let community in. Otherwise, we are not tending to our light. And that light deserves to shine bright. For the record, we've all opted into this communal experience and obligation. Every time you join a congregation, a school, a job, a club, any of those times, you are now obligated to care about that community. You've taken on part of that identity, and therefore, you are now obligated to care for that vessel, to protect it. There's this theory in theology called vertical versus horizontal morality. Essentially, it's where does your morality come from? And I was fascinated when I first heard this concept, especially the way people reacted to the concept. You see, vertical morality is our classic liturgical approach to relationship. Be it fear, be it love, whatever with the divine as our motivation and ethics. It's a relationship to something larger that dictates our need to act morally. Our system of reward and punishment. Horizontal morality is the notion that our ethics and motivation is actually in the direction of understanding that everyone deserves to be on this earth. That your morals actually come from the observation of how your actions positively or negatively affect other people. And the argument is that if we focus on the vertical and accept that there's a power above us, that that means we would have the ability to visualize that others might be below us. And this is where they lost me. I don't think the crafters of this theological perspective had much interaction with the depth and beauty of our faith. Our tradition actually has us held in partnership with the divine, not rank and file. Our partnership is based on the premise that our love for the vertical dictates that we have to recognize and notice the the horizontal as crucial. I believe our relationship with the divine, symbolic, authentic, whatever you might want it to have, is the motivator for the horizontal. We show that love for God by caring for the world around us. And we come back to this because our tradition actually shows this in some of the most basic tenets we teach our kids. The Kabbalists taught that the creation of the world was so magnificent and unequaled that it required a radical adjustment of the divine, that God had to shatter God's self in order to make space for the world. And in that, a spark of the divine went into every single living being. Here's the bridge for the theories of vertical and horizontal. With a spark in all of us, our interactions with everyone on earth 
They are divine interactions. Knowing there is a higher power by no means means that we have the ability to see other people as less than. Rather, we now see everyone as elevated because that spark of the divine is in each of us. And this matters. You see, if we don't tend to our own lights, if we don't recognize the light in others, then how are we actually going to show up and be in community? Next Tuesday, when you say the words of Kol Nidre, you're recognizing the same point. Kol Nidre is the vertical. One recitation of Kol Nidre and God has forgiven you from all the vows you're going to mess up on. But you need to take 10 days. You need to see people face to face. You need to address the actual issues that you've caused over the year or you cannot achieve repentance from those mistakes. You have to look a person in the eyes, recognize their spark, and acknowledge if you did something to diminish that light. Martin Buber laid this out in his theology as well. At the heart of Buber's theology, anyone a Buber fan? Not a Bieber fan, it's close. No? Okay, well, there's the Buber. The idea that what matters is not understanding God in an abstract intellectual terms, but rather seeing everything as entering a relationship with God. Such a relationship, Buber believed, is possible only when we establish genuine relationships with others. The cornerstone of his philosophy was called I-Thou, denoting a relationship in which the subject, I, treats someone or something else as another unique subject, Thou. The unique subject of thou is divine recognition, an acknowledgement that both I and thou have a divine light. They both have to matter. Both have to shine bright because if they don't, they can't find one another. And if that happens, relationship fails. A hey, how are you without actually caring how someone is fails. And I know that might be difficult to hear because we do that a lot. We say, I hope you're having a nice day, and then don't ever think of it again as if we didn't actually hope they had a nice day. We didn't think of it at all until we saw their face, said something quickly, and moved on. That's a fail. Now, we've looked at that with our most powerful sources. We've looked at our liturgy. We've looked at our text. We've looked at our philosophers. Now let's glance at TikTok just for a moment. There's this amazing account in which this man catcalls positive affirmations of kindness. Jeremy Padauer, you are a delightful human being. Dara Beer, I'm still thinking about the quiche from the last ECC meeting. Jennifer Scher, I do not know how you do it each and every day. Those kids are delightful. People are always expecting the worst when you talk like that. And that's the entire account. People expecting a moment of tension and then gifting them a moment of joy. Maybe you were shocked in the way I spoke. Maybe you weren't. Who knows? But his entire account is that hearing kindness about us is powerful. But hearing unexpected, uncontested kindness is even more powerful. I can feel some of you glowing a little brighter just from stopping for a moment, pointing it out. This idea is considered micro-affirmations. 
Now, you might have heard of microaggressions. This is the flip side, the side we should really be focusing on, microaffirmations, the power of miniature moments that can create a ripple effect of confidence on this society. You don't have to be grand or throw a parade when you're proud of someone. In fact, that might be counterproductive because often we then stop and are challenged as to the merit of that affirmation. We stop and we question if we deserved it. This idea we're talking about, mitzvah, goreret mitzvah. One good deed will bring another good deed. One transgression would bring another transgression. Your actions start a chain. Your actions matter. The ripple effect goes on and on. Every mitzvah counts. And not only that, when you carry darkness, when you carry pain, when you don't let that light shine, you risk passing all of that on too. When we're having a bad day, sometimes we accidentally let some of that bad day rub off on others. So we have to do what we can to add joy, to add that spark, to add that light into community. Without it, the world is a darker place. So let's be practical. How can you pull this off? Write a letter. Say thanks. Let someone know you impacted them. Smile more. I can see the high cheekbones of the people in masks. Smile more. Compliment more. Lend a hand in hand. Open the door for people. Recognize an accomplishment when you hear it. Affirm the hard work of others. And honestly, the most important one, don't get caught up in the idea of being too nice. It doesn't exist. If you think people think you're being too nice, it's not a thing. If you're authentic and kind and true, it's not a thing. And you might be saying, Rabbi, okay, I get it. How are you spending high holidays talking about this with so many awful things happening in the world around you? Do these micro moments even really matter? You might be thinking. The answer, plain and simple, yes. You can't fix the problems of the world. They're not actually even your responsibility to fix all the problems in the world. And our theology has never said it is. You can, however, craft and shape ways to deal with the world around you. Mechanisms to confront the problems. Put yourself in a space to best tackle and find solutions. If we can craft that space that is conducive for an entire society to address their problems, that chain of positivity has to start somewhere. And if we aren't putting positivity out into this world, how can we expect to receive it? I can't sit there and be upset with negativity and harshness. I'm not going to go out and do what's necessary to reconnect, to beautify, to enrich, to enlighten our community. I can't just sit there and be dissatisfied. You have to be the solution. You have to act from your heart. Let us all take the responsibility to be the start of that chain, to turn the positivity up, and it will never stop flowing, and that light will never stop shining. At every moment of celebration in our tradition, we share the words of the Birkat HaKohanim. Brit milah, baby namings, baran bat mitzvah, under chupah, I want to share those words with all of you now 
and remind each and every one of you just one last time that our light matters and leave you with a charge to share more light. Our Birkata Kohanim is God teaching Moses and Aaron how to teach the priests and in return the Israelites. They have an ability to shine the light of God onto this earth. And if we don't nurture that light, how can it truly shine bright? The first verse addresses our relationship with the divine, what it looks like to each of you hold true to yourselves. The second line deputizes us to be a part of God's work, creating, certifying that partnership. And the third line encourages us to implement the partnership, to care for the world in our community. After each line of the Birkata Kohanim, we say the words, may this be God's will. That reminds us that as we do this work, this work of the horizontal access of theology, of caring for the world around us, we have a vertical divine endorsement and support from Adonai. May this be the holy words that will guide our behaviors and our love for the world. And may this blessing take us into our days of repentance.